Welcome to another edition of the Morning Devotional. My name is Pastor William Hill, the pastor of Providence Presbyterian Church located in Evansville, Indiana. If you'd like to find out more information about the church, you can visit our website. That information will be given to you at the conclusion of this devotional. Additionally, I write on the parchment. It's a blog I've had for many, many years. Uh, typically write a daily prayer. This devotional is there as well. And then occasionally some other articles and things that I'm working on. But if you'd like to uh, uh, peruse that site, you can get the link for that as well. That'll be given to you at the conclusion of the video. Uh, today is uh, September 12th, 2023. This is edition number 156 of season eight. We are continuing our study of chapter 28 of the Westminster Confession of Faith, the Sacrament of Baptism. Today we're, we will consider paragraph number three. Let's pray. Father, as we uh, look to your word now and ask that you'd give grace and guidance to us by your spirit. We pray that you would indeed instruct us, that we would understand and that we would seek to put into practice the things that we hear and the things that we learn. We ask that you'd forgive us for our sins and our transgressions and you would guide us in all righteousness we ask for Christ's sake. Amen. Well, yesterday we considered the... the, the um, the, the matter that is hardly of dispute whatsoever is that is baptism. The outward element of baptism is to be water. We also considered the disputable point as to what constitutes a Christian baptism. Today we're going to talk about uh, another matter that is of some dispute uh, within Christendom. I hope to show you uh, by the end of this video why there needs not be any dispute about this, but it is nonetheless in dispute within the orthodox branches of the Christian church. Paragraph number three states, dipping of the person into the water is not necessary, but baptism is rightly administered by pouring or sprinkling water upon the person. Let's just read a couple passages of scripture first, and then I will explain more fully, I think, what is going on here. Uh, Hebrews chapter 9 and uh, beginning in verse 10, but deal only with food and drink and various washings, regulations for the body opposed until the time of reformation. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect um, uh, tent, not made with hands, that is not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. Uh, for if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will be the will the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve uh, the living God. Jumping down to verse 19 of chapter 9, once again uh, we read, uh, for when every commandment of the law had been declared by Moses to all the people, he took the blood of calves and goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book itself and all the people. And then in verse 21, again we read, and in the same way he sprinkled with the blood both the tent and all the vessels. Now, what is interesting about uh, Hebrews 9 and how does this relate to paragraph number 3? Well, because it says that... Uh, it, dipping of the persons or what we know as immersion is not necessary. And why did the Westminster Assembly come to that conclusion? Well, because in the Septuagint translations 
of the Old Testament Hebrew, that is the Greek translation of the Old Testament Hebrew, the word that is rendered in the Hebrew is translated into the Greek as that word that we know as baptizo. It's the verb form to immerse, but it doesn't necessarily and always mean immerse. The word has a wide semantic range, a wide range of meanings, and we must let the text of the Bible tell us what the meaning of that term actually is. It can, in some cases, mean to immerse, but often, often, it doesn't mean that at all. In fact, a good example of this is found in Mark chapter 7. Mark chapter 7 and verses 1 through 4. Now, it's important to note that Mark is writing to Gentile Christians. And so they do not know and understand all the various Jewish traditions that, um, that are before the Jews. And so Mark here in this chapter especially, he explains uh, one of the traditions of the Jews so that the Gentile readers would not be confused. And so we begin in verse 1 of chapter 7. Now when the Pharisees gathered to him with some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem, they saw that some of his disciples ate with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands, holding to the traditions of the elders. And when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other traditions that they observe, such as the washing of cups and pots and copper vessels and dining couches. Now that wash is baptizo. That's the verb form of the term here. And so what Mark is saying is that these elders, the tradition of the elders, is that would baptize these items. And you see those items listed there um, in verse 4, the washing of cups, pots, copper vessels, and dining couches. Now, with all due respect to my Baptist brothers, are they really suggesting that here Mark is arguing, and the word here must then therefore mean that they immerse, that is to say they drown or dunk the dining couches. It's a little ridiculous, of course, obviously on its face. Clearly, this is referencing a sprinkling uh, to symbolize some kind of purification or cleansing. This is the same idea that occurs in the Old Testament when the furniture of the tabernacle were purified by blood. They were sprinkled, in the Greek term translated from the Hebrew is baptizo. Now, um, I'll leave it to the reader to work through some of those ins and outs and all the various, various semantic issues that, that arise from this, but the fact remains, brothers and sisters, the term baptizo in the Greek, it simply does not always mean what our Baptist brothers and sisters want it to mean. It does not always mean immerse, therefore it is not required for baptism that we do indeed immerse. And that is precisely what the Westminster divines are getting at here in paragraph number three when they say dipping of the person into the water is not necessary. That is to say then, therefore, New Testament baptism is rightly administered uh, when there is a pouring or sprinkling of water upon the person. Now, when I baptize an infant, a child of one or both believing parents in the church, members of the church, Uh, I sprinkle their head with water as I'm holding them as their parents are standing uh, right there. Uh, When I was licensed to preach the gospel by my presbytery, I was asked this question and whether I would ever immerse a person. Um, And my answer was rooted both in the theology of the matter as well as the practice and as well as the practical considerations And so I answered the question uh, as follows. I said, in um, 
that I would work and uh, labor very ag aggressively to disciple the parents to, uh, and uh, to disciple the individual to recognize that immersion itself is not required for it to be a legitimate baptism. That is to say that immersion is not some higher form of baptism, but it is, in, but, um, but it is not necessarily required. However, if after spending a significant amount of time with the individual or individuals, I could not bring them to a place where they were able to accept the idea that, right, that Christian baptism can be performed by simple pouring or sprinkling, then I would probably go ahead and immerse. I don't think my view has changed much from that, although I've, I have thought more about it in recent years and wrestled with a few things regarding that. But whatever the case may be, the fact remains that Baptism is not more important if one is immersed and less important if they are not immersed. And in fact, the term itself throughout the corpus of Scripture often communicates a sprinkling or pouring, and not so much the idea of immersion. And so let's be intellectually honest and let's not let our theology demand the interpretation of the text or the words of the Bible. The Spirit chose that word very intentionally we need to be faithful stewards of God's Word to rightly understand what that Word means. And so if you've been immersed, then you've been baptized. Uh, notice the confession in paragraph number three does not outlaw immersion. It just simply says that the right administration of it can come and does come when it's a sprinkling or pouring. If you were sprinkled or you had water poured upon you as a, as a child or as an adult, you were legitimately baptized. As long as water was used, it was done by a minister of the gospel lawfully ordained, and they utilized the Trinitarian formula in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, then you, my friend, you were baptized. And you don't need to doubt that or wonder or question that. Uh, you just need to rest in that truth, in that reality. Well, I trust these times are helpful for you. If you have any comments or questions, you can leave me a note. The way to reach me is there before you on the screen. And so until the Wednesday edition, when we continue looking at chapter 28. May the Lord help you today. May you strive uh, to remember your baptism and all that it symbolizes. You belong to Christ and may you walk according to his ways. God bless.